Hey everybody, uh, this is Mark uh, with the Mark Explains Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening, uh, but more importantly, I wanted to thank everyone for the amount of overwhelming support and love for everyone that has reached out. Uh, this past six months has been one of the hardest seasons of my life, and uh, if you've been following to this point, then you understand uh, what that means. Um, and I really just really deeply, deeply appreciate all of the messages and emails that I've got. Um, it has meant the world to me um, through this season. So thank you. Uh, but we are going to move forward as that is the only thing we can and must do. Um, I love the story that is being told as much grief and heartache as it is, but we must move forward. And so uh, with remembering uh, everything that has happened, I'm going to let the grief come over me from time to time and take it as it comes and keep moving forward. Uh, as we have a cool episode today, I'm talking, me and Ashlyn are talking about the darkest moment uh, in our lives. Uh, we asked the question, what is what was the darkest moment in your life? And uh, it's kind of a cool topic. Um, we keep it lighthearted, a lot lighter uh, than it has been in previous episodes. Uh, so uh, if you listen in, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun one today. And uh, we got um, some really cool episodes on the horizon. And uh, we're going to be starting to spit them out a little bit quicker um, as this season has uh, the heaviness has is wrapping up. And so, again, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoy today's podcast. You going to celebrate by consummating and procreating again? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. 100% no. 100% Are you guys done? Not that we're not on good terms. We're just, we're not, just the procreation part? We're not part? having children anymore. Are you guys done, done? Have you seen our kids? Have you? I, <laughs> Enjoyment only. <laughs> Enjoyment only. You gonna, dude, are you going to get tied up? I think so. What are we talking yeah. about? Just cut this thing off. Oh. Yeah, well, you don't have to cut it off necessarily. <laughs> You can done. <laughs> yeah, you thought a uh, vasectomy was complete removal. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what that means. It just shears. It, they shear it right off. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it tells me. It tells me things. Multiple windows are not closed. Oh. Is it like there's a groundhog climbing in here? <laughs> so we have this groundhog family in our backyard, and they first it was just a few groundhogs like along the riverbank, no big deal. Now they're like under the deck. In How many? Like five, six groundhogs now. Tearing up it your yard? Started, yeah. But um, they're just getting really bold. Like they're they're like on the deck. Kaylin and I are inside hanging out. And they're just on the deck, back deck, walking around the grill, checking they, stuff out. Are they threatening or anything? No. I mean, they're just they're getting less scared of us. Like I went out. It's like, hey, get out of here! And they took a second and like checked me out before they ran away. Like, they're, do you need to get like an airsoft gun? Something that's not gonna hurt them, but just will like scare them. Yeah, I dumped a uh, cat litter in their hole. <laughs> <laughs> Why cat litter? Well, so I usually it's it's like pine. We use like oh, pine. it's not like litter. It's it's uh yeah, we use like these pine pellets. Um, because they don't, it doesn't smell as bad. Like it's, it, it's good stuff. Anyway, it breaks down over time, and so I would dump it along the riverbank, you know, and it builds the bank up. It's good for the ground, and um, so I thought, oh, what if, what if some of this went into the hole, 
or like around because they have a bunch of different holes that go into the burrow you know maybe that'll deter them they'll start moving elsewhere and they just they just don't give a fuck they just, <laughs> they're now they're now they're trying to move into the house like we'll they're, say they're at the deck they just go where they want yeah, like they just do whatever they want yeah so I don't probably I don't think... be driving your Hold Tesla on. before you leave. Hold on. Are groundhogs dangerous to humans? I'm gonna ask Sirius, or I'm gonna ask Siri if, if they are. Um, they can contract rabies and possibly bite. Okay. So, but they say typically not dangerous to humans or humans' pets. What so I'm, your what kids I'm are okay. Worried about is the if they're under the deck now. And under like the sun, start they're gonna start digging, digging around the foundation. There's I gonna think, be water moving in that direction. Yeah, it's I think typically good. decks are um, seated with concrete at the bottom of the posts. Typically, they should be. Um, so I can't imagine much movement there. There's, yeah, like there's, I'm not worried the deck is gonna fall down. I'm worried they're near the house burrowing, which means potentially burrows around and. To just those, those to things foundation. start sliding around. Yeah, like the you know when, once you start taking the earth around your foundation, moving it out of the way. You imagine? Have you seen Tremors? Yeah. <laughs> imagine like your house <laughs> starts sinking. That's what we're dealing. These groundhogs are like the monsters from Tremors. Oh, the uh, graboids. Yeah, is that what they're called? Yeah, well, that was what they called them in the in the movie. Hmm. All right, graboids. But now like. The kids are attached to the groundhogs. Like David's, you know, he'll he'll sit in the sunroom with his like National Geographic animal book, and like he's watching the groundhogs and like watching rabbits and you know Bert, and he's trying to like find the page with that animal. He, that's so he's like got a connection with these groundhogs. Really? Yeah. So what do I do? I don't want to just kill them. They're not hurting us. I just no. Don't the I, house. I, I'm sure that somewhere on the internet exists how to move a family of groundhogs just away from the house mm. if that's something you want to do i would probably just let them do their thing i do i have a i have a, a litter of rabbits that like every morning there's probably like five or six and some are really young um are they bunnies when they're young or is a bunny and a rabbit different that's the same thing i thought right a rabbit a bunny rabbit a bun- <laughs> that's what they're called what's a baby rabbit called I don't know a baby. <laughs> baby uh, rabbit. Yeah, so I got a, a baby bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a bunch of them running around the house. Um, dude, they're really cool. Like they come right up by the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're—I mean, like a ton of them live in my backyard. I think they live in like the foliage in the garden, which is cool. I don't have anything growing there, dude. I found that I have grapes in my yard. Mm. Like a grapevine. That you know the big. Uh, yeah, you were there. The big thing out by the fire pit. It's like this big wooden T structure. Never saw a backyard. The night oh, I went, yeah, it, it was dark. middle of winter, and it was like it was four p.m. So it was pitch black. Yeah, yeah. And I just uh, I wasn't sure I was at the right house at first, so I slowly crept up to the front door. And yeah, dude, I found I had. Well, I didn't find my dad. It was I was uh, um, my dad because out by my fire pit. It's like this big upside down U shaped wooden structure uh-huh. and there's vines growing on it yep. and my dad's like you got grapes back here and I was like I got grapes like yep. what kind he's like I don't know they're green someone so went, was a boozer yeah, well they were old people so <laughs> definitely boozers yeah. so, you know the house that I lived in the parsonage when I worked at the church um, that had always apparently it was a parsonage even you know in like the early 1900s really um, because I found I found stuff 
in the walls, like in the in the there's this crawl space um, between like the basement and the in the floor. Yeah, I remember that. And I found uh, well, there were like letters and books and stuff, and it was like it was a pastor's house at some point. Um, but there were there were these glass this like equipment that I found that I couldn't quite figure out what it was, and then I put it together because the great like they they were making liquor. They were it was like a still it was like equipment for a still. Really? Yeah. Um, so they were, yeah, they were doing it up <laughs> at the parsonage. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded. Dude, nothing like the old pastor having a midnight booze making. How else do you get through the all weekends? the manipulation and horrible? Oh, I thought you were gonna say how else do you get by with getting paid as a pastor's wage in Bellevue, Michigan? That's true too. Yeah. How much was the lead pastor? How much was he paid? You don't, don't what do you mean you don't know? I mean, I think I know, but I'm not going to... I don't know. Um, it was... Uh, was I it mean, a livable wage? It was... Probably if you were like a single person, maybe. It was, you know... Because you, you got paid like nothing, right? Well, look, I got paid... Um, I got paid a little bit of money, right? Like a stipend. Yeah. But I had a house... Yeah. With all utilities covered, I had you know I had there were perks. Did they pay your uh, cell phone? No, they didn't pay my cell phone. But um, I I could go over to the church because I lived next door and take a dump anytime <laughs> I wanted. So I never had to buy toilet paper. Um, <laughs> Why did you just bring toilet paper back? Well, that would have been stealing. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. The black and white. No, there were perks. Like I, you know, there were. It was. It was an, you know, I, an arrangement I agreed to. Can you imagine and, having a girl over and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah. don't take a shit here." To the my parsonage, the <laughs> as the single. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Wait, will you say? Did you ever have any girls over there? No. Never. Never. Oh, that's a lie. No. <laughs> Never. Jessica. So Jessica, when we started dating, she came to the back door once. Yeah. And that was like scandalous. Like she was just me and her, really? and it was dark. And yep, she never came in the house. Um, and she's the only person I dated when I was. I'm, there. I'm trying to think. Paul lived there before you did. Mm-hmm. Paul and- had some honeys over. Oh, well, no, he didn't. I did. Because <laughs> I helped remodel the house. I remember. Yeah. I was one of the honeys. I stayed the night with you, you in the house once. Do you, re- <laughs> you, were, you, were the, you were the OG honey. <laughs> do you remember when Chrissy woke us up that morning? Yes, I do. 100%. It's fucking awful. It was the worst. <laughs> she didn't cook for us, though, so that was cool. Yeah. She's a great cook. You gotta go to Sunday school. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give you one guess on the honey that I had over there. Um, OG uh, youth group girl. Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> Mark. We didn't do anything real bad. Okay. Just making out here and there. So anyway, I was paid, <laughs> I, was paid a, I was paid a stipend. Like, I, you know, like, a, but again, it was an arrangement I agreed to. There was no way that I was going to, like, progress through life in that arrangement, right? Like, it just, you know, I had to get a job. So I yeah. Did. Because yeah. there's no corporate ladder, no, at a small town. And church. the idea was like, you know, we're gonna grow this church. Like that was, you know, the what, always that the was idea. what the idea was that we're gonna get this church booming to, to a level where it can sustain us, um, you know, without having to work other jobs. I, I think that a church that size in a town this size 
it does go through real minor fluctuations, mm-hmm. but like overall, if you look at the general trend, I bet you if we were to go back and look at the general trend of the current um, members, like or even just weekly attenders over like a great period of time, like ten or twenty years, mm-hmm. I bet you that we would find that overall. The it the numbers don't change a ton because the population of Bellevue more or less stays the same right over right. time and people like to go to church, mm-hmm. kind of especially like in you know a rural town like Bellevue there's going to be you know a certain population here that likes to go to church and there's not very many options right and it's right on the main road, um, has kind of a cool building out back you know because mm-hmm. yep. At one time, had like real progressive, uh, real progressive, real, real progressive uh, associate pastor. Yeah, trying not to give himself away. <laughs> I've never really gone so like we did the episode where I talked about it a little bit, but not really gone deep into why. Let's why go. Let's I'm go not deep. In not that. today. No. Nah. Well, I wanted to talk so like the whole idea of this conversation. I wanted to talk about uh, what was the thing I said. The darkest moment, the darkest time, the darkest place. Oh. Like, if I were to ask you, like, tell me about the darkest time in your life. Yeah. I think, like, what would it be? That it would be that. It would be that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's do it, man. Let, let's dive into that. All right. Um, like, tell me about, like, how, how about this? How about let's paint the picture from the center and work out. Uh, instead of you telling me like a timeline, if I were to say, what was the darkest moment? Well, I think we get, there's a little bit of like psychology that had to happen to to get to that point, right? Like so, um, you know, I was uh, going to school with you to essentially be a pastor someday. Yeah. Like that was the idea that like I'm gonna. Um, I, I, I had to take it to an extreme. Like, I can't just be, like, a Christian, you know, now that I have this belief set. I have to be the most extreme version of that that yeah, I Yeah, the be. only path that you have if you go to Master's Commission is right. pastor or heathen. Right. <laughs> like, that's it. You, well, be, you become a pastor or you... Yeah. Or you go back into the world of how many Satanism. People, yeah, how many people got out and just went and worked a normal job that were thought of as like, oh yeah, less than great. yeah. Oh, that's everybody. Everyone that went out and got a regular job, you thought less than yeah. Like Matt Lou, great, great job, yep. man. Yep. crushed it. Yep. Landed the, a the, the plutes, the plutes, the cl- the plutes, yep. the, the Louis. Um, that's about it. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so so the you know. My approach was like, I have to be, I was very motivated to be like, um, to be thought of as great, you know, mm-hmm. in some sense that like, I, you know, to be trusted, to be, you know, the person in charge. Oh, things. Derek. Yeah. Derek and Sonia also crushing it. Yeah. He's still a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Everybody else though. All fell away. <clears throat> so, um... You know, a lot happened, like, there was a lot in between my time in Master's Commission. Like, I went to, um, fuck off for a year, basically. Was that, like, still down in Florida? Yeah, when me and Adam had that house. <laughs> wasn't, um, da- wasn't Dave O'Brien around? And yeah, yeah. Jason Santora? Yep. I hung out with those guys a lot. 
That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. the best time of my life. Oh, yeah. Because, you know... So I when I ask go. you the, I ask you about the darkest time of your well, life... Get, I'm getting there. Hold on. No, this, this, is, this is a funny... Or this is just a... It's an interesting analogy. Or it's just an interesting observation here. Because you would think being in, like, the Christian... The, quote, Christian scene... If I ask you about the darkest time, it's not the time that is stereotypical to it which is like when i was living in sin drinking <laughs> yeah. and and smoking weed and lots and, and lot yeah. all this stuff yeah like that was the best time yeah and how you're i mean we're getting to the point of the darkest time which is when you were actually the pastor so that's really yeah. interesting but continue you're, you're right you're right it's so, really interesting so i did that like i you know um no regrets for that season of, no not at all i you know <laughs> i had a, i had a fucking blast um I, yeah, that's awesome. I was really excited about like music. Like I was writing music and had a band with these kids. Like literally, me and Adam had a band with like children. Like we were the Pied Pipers. Really, like, we had Jordan Henley and Billy um, Jarabek and uh, and then David Briner. And we had a band, and I and it was my Dave Grohl project. Like I wrote, I wrote. I'm not kidding. I took it really seriously. I wrote so songs, cool. and I arranged everything, and like you know, and I was really controlling over it. I'm and like, sure. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I still have recordings of that stuff. The funnest. It, I just had a blast. I was playing music. Yeah. I was hanging out. You were doing everything you love. Fucking blasted, and just yeah. and I was living a carefree life of a 21 year old in South yeah. Florida. Was Joel down there? Yeah, Joel lived with us for yeah. a while too. Yeah. Um, so then, like, but I still have my toes in, like, the, well, you know, I'm having a lot of fun, but ultimately I'm going to get back to, like, I'm going to do ministry and, you know, I'm going to do that. And I had a different sort of philosophy um, than the other people in those circles. Yeah. I didn't really frame it as, like, I'm a liberal or I'm progressive or I'm this or I'm, you know, I just knew that, like, uh, I'm okay with things being different than Interesting. what most people in this lifestyle are okay with. Dude, I remember early on, um, God, I don't remember at what point it was, but I, you, you had made a Facebook post and it was something about um, there needs to be better control of guns. Yeah. And I remember that. And it was It was like, would it really be the worst thing in the world? If there were like fewer people dying from guns, having, yeah, you know, like what, like is that really the thing that you know, yeah, fucking mad? And this was fifteen years. It was a long time. I remember. I remember the post, yeah, because I remember thinking, I can't believe you would post that as a Christian. See, to me, it wasn't even a question. Oh, of, that of course, at all. I hadn't. My head still. What I was really naive, Mark. My head wasn't around like Christians are all really conservative, Republican, mostly, like, yeah, like, like mostly the. the that wasn't a part of my thinking at all. No. So I'm having this fun time, but still realizing like, okay, I'm going to have to eventually transition and fit back into the mold somewhat. Um, And that kind of happened when, uh, when Adam moved out of the house, Um, I was going to take an internship with the youth group of that church with, uh, with KO with Brandon Strickler. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that. Brandon and I had been pretty good friends for a long time. We worked together. We did stuff, you know, we did a lot of services and ministry and all kinds of stuff together. We got along really well. So, you know, it's all kind of set up. I'm going to do this internship. I think I remember you telling me about that. And I'm having a real fun night one night at some 
club, I get I don't know, someplace in downtown Fort Myers, and someone posts a picture on Facebook where I have, like, a drink in my hand and, oh, like, gosh. a cigarette in my hand. Oh, gosh. You know, I'm having a great time. Oh, like, gosh. That picture, I, I've never looked better. Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm having so much fun. And this picture oh, circulates, man. like, you know, people... People are aware of who I am oh, enough man. in like the KO circle, like the the church, you know, world down there that like, oh, he's gonna intern, and then it gets to you know, uh, gets to the leadership and stuff, and it was a big conversation, and it still had like I was still an intern, like it, you know, but ultimately it was like, okay, you have to make serious changes here. So I did. I moved into the apartments. Um, you know, where they have like an apartment complex next to the church and had a roommate that was like another intern. Um, and, you know, went back to essentially like the master's commission lifestyle of like, I go home at night and I watch a movie and I, you know, do, I just, you know, cut all the stuff out that I had been doing and I was interning at the church. All's fine. Um, and then if you remember, um, there was a, I don't know if you came up for this or not, um, we had an anniversary party for Paul. Um, it was Paul Silvis's like, I don't know. Like some wedding anniversary? No, it was like how long you've been at the church. It was some, We were doing some, I don't even remember if it was an occasion, but I remember that I was going to be up here and John Nevetsky and Lauren and a bunch of people who Paul had been, like sent us to Masters and we did this service to honor Paul. And uh, so I was up here doing that, did like worship at the church up here. And this is when I met Dinesh, the pastor of the church in Bellevue, and got to know him. And then, I want to say I was there. Yeah. Because I feel like you were. Well, hold on. Would that be like 2009? Probably 2009, yeah. 2009. So, 2009. So in 2009, I made a video. When I was in Alaska for Paul. That's what it was for, probably. Le- he was yeah. leaving he was leaving um, Bellevue Christian Center. Well that wasn't until later. So no, that wasn't the same time. That was later. Oh no no no, you're right, you're right, you're right. It was an appreciation. It was an appreciation thing. Yeah. You even reached out to me and mm-hmm. told me to make the video. Yeah. I put most of this together and worked with like Do I still have that video? Yeah. I'd be interested to see it. We'll it, watch it after this. Anyway, so I um, so I do the service and I get to know Pastor Dinesh and we have and I go back to Florida right because I'm an intern at Ko and I just come up for this and um, had a relation you know we had a relationship Dinesh and I and eventually that turned into hey we you know is there a place for me here I kind of felt this you know this goodness about coming back to this church in Bellevue and did you feel in- a pull. Yeah, I don't want to use words like that anymore. I don't like Did that. Did you feel... You're making me uncomfortable. Called? Um, <laughs> so, so I had the conversation with them. And, you know, I came up, and at first it was just like, I was just cracked. I actually, my aunt lived in this house that I bought, that I live in now. My aunt and uncle lived here, and I, like, stayed here for a while, and I slept on mom's couch for a while. And I spent just every minute serving, doing something at the church hmm. helping with you know i was like the worship leader at the church and then it was you know i was at staff meetings and i was you know doing i was doing stuff constantly and through all that getting to know 
Dinesh and Michelle, and um, and then eventually Paul and Chrissy moved on, and um, it was a natural fit for me to become the youth pastor. Um, so really, it was like a hybrid. I was the youth and worship pastor. Was there much of a, of a youth group when you came in? No, I mean it was probably um, ten to fifteen regular kids at that time. Yeah. Um, but you know, so so then the house is re- redone because it was uh, some work needed to be done in the house. I moved into the house, and this, and then everything's fine for a while. And now I'm in the darkest time of my life at wow. this point. Already, like you, you, you knew it going After in. Living in the house for by the time I had lived in the house for about three months. Um, Did you know it right away? Like when you, like like when you moved into that house, like is is this a conscious thought or looking back you can see it? It wasn't. So looking back, I can see it. I knew at the time that I was not okay, but I didn't quite understand. Um, you know, at the time, I'm, um, I'm around all these people these like the church people 100% of the time hmm. um i didn't really have like i never kept in touch with like people from school or you know i didn't have a whole lot of that i still don't i don't care to yeah, I but i didn't have like f- a lot of friends you yeah. know what i mean like i had um the church people the the staff of the church the you know parishioners of the church like the people that i was essentially serving um, that was, that was my circle of people. And I didn't see for a very long time, um, how dark things were starting to get inside me. Um, what do you think played into that? I mean, because you were back in your hometown yeah, what, yeah. and you were doing what you felt like you were supposed to do Yeah. in a position that would be ideal for someone your age. Mm-hmm. But here you are, three months in, living in a house by yourself. Actually, side question. Was that house haunted? Maybe. <laughs> you say maybe. Maybe. So, so you, you have any haunted stories? I need to hear one. And then we'll get back on track. I just want one. You know, it could have been haunting stuff. It could have also just been like some psychosis. Because I was like, um, okay. I started to get like hypochondria where I thought I was, I would like thought I was going to die. Like I had a headache for like a couple months straight and like weird stuff started happening. Like where I just had like nerves in my body that were kind of fucked up and doing weird things. Um, I went to the doctor in town, Dr. Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein is his real name. He passed away in last year. Oh, that's Um, too bad. And Dr. Frankenstein was notorious for like, you don't feel good? Xanax. You don't feel good? You need some sleeping pills. <laughs> he was an actual doctor, right? He was a real doctor. But he did house calls. Yeah. So yeah. He was like the old-fashioned Nobody house. sue me, please. I don't know if he did. I mean, he just, you know, he was, um, he he listened to you and, you know, gave you what you felt you needed. And I didn't even know what I need. I just knew, like, so I'm in his office and I'm like, man, doc, I, I've got cancer. I'm, you know, I'm not okay. This whole time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just lonely and I'm yeah. stressed. Yeah. I'm under a lot. Like, you know, I was constantly performing 
I was doing like five or six worship services every week. I was preaching once or twice or three yeah, times a week. Yeah, because you'd preach on I Wednesday. Was, yep. Wednesday, a lot of Sunday nights. A lot of Sunday Occasionally nights. Sunday mornings. You know, so I would do, I just did. That church ran because of you. You did everything, right? More or less. So I was telling him what was going on with me. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't want to say that. A lot of people behind the scenes made a lot of things happen. Well, I, I, I know, but you know. orchestrated it. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, I took on the role of like administrative pastor, the associate pastor of the church, where you know, and I took it to an extreme. I wanted to turn this into a living. I wanted yeah. to not have to get a job, essentially. Um, so I was telling the doctor like, "What's all? Everything's going on with me?" And he was checking me out and like, you know, feeling my. He's like, "You're." You're under a lot of stress. You're really stressed out. And I was like, oh, I didn't wasn't aware, you know, like I didn't didn't never thought that stress would, you know, contract itself into my body in a physical way. Your stress is a wild thing. Yep. So he gave you know, he gave me like some Xanax and some uh sleeping sleeping pills to help me sleep and um so the haunting was essentially like the first time I think I took I took both. And I don't know if I was supposed to take both. It was just, you know, no, I'll try this out. Um, yeah, I felt like someone was in my room. I was, like, frozen at night. Like, I couldn't, I was, you know how there's, like, sleep paralysis, and yeah. that's normal? Yeah. But, like, I was fully conscious and, like, couldn't move. And well, then, some version of sleep, some versions of sleep paralysis, um, you are conscious. Mm-hmm. But in an, almost like an altered state. Yeah. So this is what it happened, you know. He, like there was basically like a demon poking me in the back or something, oh. you know. Like that was, but I'm sure again it was just like a mixture of extreme depression that I was feeling and. Um, so it wasn't all that the enemy. No. <laughs> um, so you know, through all this, I this is what in retrospect I didn't see it at the time, but I see it now. I was. Um, I was constantly around people who I didn't like. <laughs> right? Like, I was around... Like, th- <laughs> these are nice people. Don't like, don't get me wrong. I don't want this to be misconstrued. Like, I guess I just said it in the worst possible way I could have said it. But no, I want I, you to be honest, man. That's what this is about. Honesty. I would have these conversations with, like, leaders in my youth group and other leaders in the church about things like hot button issues like gay marriage and oh because you're definitely progressive right but in but that so i was like i had to hide it in weird ways but then i but i didn't so like i would have these conversations and and i just started to realize like most of the people that i am around that i'm leading that i am serving i don't we don't think of Jesus Christ is the same person. No, definitely not. And and I really struggled with that. I was um, getting credentialed, so I was going to classes every month and doing this this classwork and meeting with you know other pastors and youth pastors and presbyters of the assemblies of God and just starting to realize like I am not like these people. I'd never been a real political person. Hmm. Um, and politics, like it's really cheap to say something like, "But well, politics isn't everything." The reality is, what you believe and value about the world 
is everything. It is everything. So when people say, well, you shouldn't talk about this or this because it can be divisive, you know, I, I had such a hard time with that because we're talking about the things that impact human beings every day. These things matter. Yeah. If I'm going to say that I believe in this, you know, all-powerful, all-loving God who, you know, rescued us, I'm like you have to look at um, all of the things that... that go with that and what I I had the hardest time with people who were Christians or longtime Christians who just believed in a different Jesus than I did right they believed in the Jesus that um, <laughs> they believed in the Jesus that cared more about gun laws and abortion yeah. laws and legislating morality um, well than speaking from one that redeems deep experience church the church I grew up in and the people that taught me the ideals that I believed and I'm going to reemphasize that I believed ideals that were taught to me not foundational to some greater truth everything I believed I was taught um, everything that this church group i mean it's not just one church it was the entire church is black and white and that's because religion is very often black and white because the human mind is the human brain is biased to certainty and so if you can be you can if you can be really confident certain authority figure i mean you think about like some of the biggest authority figures in the church you know like joel osteen and uh um uh Jakes, uh, T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes. And I was like, these are the most confident men. I mean, granted, I actually kind of like Joel Osteen. I think he's a snake, but he's also, he has some great content. I mean, but uh, like with you said, like confidence, it's not that these men are these incredible leaders of God. They're confident and they happen Mm. to be raised. I mean, like, uh, um, uh, Stephen Furtick, one of the most confident men I've ever met. I got to I got to meet him and hang out with him down in Florida. He obviously is not from there; he's from North Carolina. But came down to Florida when I was down there at Potential Church. I got to meet, uh, hang out with him. He, he's super cool, really nice, so confident. People are drawn to confidence, and the human brain is biased towards certainty. So if I'm if I'm a scientist and I come to you and I'm like, all right, so we've dated this Earth, and we're fairly certain that you know it's like 4.2 billion years old, but you know like. If better science comes out, then you know we're gonna that'll change. That's the beauty of science. It's not certainty. It's just like we have a pretty good understanding. Mm-hmm. And then you have somebody that comes in and says, "No, I have guaranteed one hundred percent. The Earth is six thousand years old because I was told by God. That's certain." Sorry, I was being a little loud. I was I had my pastor voice. <laughs> <laughs> but like, who who are you gonna be drawn to more? Like naturally, people are drawn to certainty, and so these things that you're talking about, um, there's there these things are gray. Like these things that are important in this world, like like gay marriage, and and I mean honestly, the the whole gender construct as a whole. Like these things are gray. These are spectrums that people like to put a black and white on because they want to have a stance on something that really is very complex Hmm. and so in order to have a stance you have to have you have to come to an arrival 
Yeah. In order to come to Arrival, you need something that's black and white in a lot of people's minds. And it's like where you and I sit. It's like, well, I'm going to accept everybody because there is no black and white. It's a world of sliding scales and grays and grays of every shade. Mm. And so I need to, by default, accept every single person regardless because I don't, there is no black. There is no white. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm living at the house and in discovering for the first time that I have pretty intense depression and sadness and anxiety and um, the anxiety is what got me the worst because that, you know, then I, I would just go into these crazy Google searches where, I, you know, I just think I'm dying. Of it. You know, I'm thinking there's no way that I'm not going to die. Did you know that you were depressed? No. Hmm. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I'm around people and I'm starting to become conscious of, like, I'm not like these people and my version my version of the gospel is that Jesus died for everybody full stop and never thought that would be so controversial (laughs) that's not what people thought no it's not what people think very it's it's well he died for you but you have to do x y and z you have to change your life into and sanctify Mm -hmm. it and you know i'm it's not like he just died for you yeah period so um i'm at these you know these classes for my ordination my credentialing and um i start i'm starting to get to a point in that where you know i'm gonna eventually hit the first level of you know um I forget if it's there's three steps. It's like certified, then licensed, then ordained. So I'm I'm at the point where I'm gonna start the process of like interviewing with presbyters because that's what you do in the assemblies of God. You it's a pretty serious, intense. Yeah, it, you know, but everyone knew everyone. Like I had known these people. I had worked with them. Like you know, I did stuff around the state. You know, for other churches, like I, you know, because I got to know and networked, and like yeah. I wanted to grow a career out of this. So I had done like youth events in other towns and stuff around. You know, I like so the pastors, the people who were these presbyters. You know, I had gotten to know them. So there was a you know a familiarity. You're, is my cat making you nervous? Not me. Okay. Um, he likes you. So I was developing this familiarity with them. It wasn't that big a deal, but I was starting to learn um, about things that like, things that the Assemblies of God, you can't you can't really struggle with certain fundamental truths. No, you're not allowed right. to. I mean, you, there's some you can. There's some that are like, okay, you can, you know, you're wrestling with this, you know, but ultimately if asked, if asked by somebody, you agree with Oh, of, of course. Of well, like, well, in theory, they say you're allowed to struggle with those things, but really, if you're somebody in an authority position, you're not allowed really to struggle with those. So that those conversations started to make me feel like there's something more to this than what I've always what I've always thought is there's this big ultimate God. And we are doing our best to 
to figure him out and to love him and to receive word from him in whatever way we can and give it to other people and enrich them and bring them along on our journey. That was kind of my belief about what this was, about what Christianity was in a big macro sense. But what I was learning from all these conversations was this is very constructed. Hmm. This is very, like, I have to, you know, do certain things and believe or say I believe certain things. And that is not authentic Hmm. at all. And if there's one thing that I held on to, you know, from Master's Commission, it was that theme of authenticity. I I took Hmm. that shit to heart. I really tried to change who I was at a core level hmm. to be authentic and to be ironic. real me at all times. Right. That's a really ironic. <laughs> so I struck like that was just a part of my personality. Like I don't I struggle with this inauthentic nature of saying that I believe baptism in the Holy Spirit is one hundred percent every time accompanied by speaking in tongues. Right? Oh, That's yeah. what they believe. Oh yeah. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, whatever that means, it means you the initial evidence of that is that you speak in. So that was one of the things that Dude, was it's like, so strange. You, you talk about this stuff, but I have been removed from for so I mean this is this was my life for thirty years. Yeah. I was raised in this. Mm-hmm. I I mean, this was my entire identity. But I have removed myself so hard from that for so long. I mean, it's been since twenty thirteen since all of this kind of fell apart. So we're at eight years. Dude, I forget stuff like that. I forget that that was one of the core principles of the AG. Yeah, that's one of the, that's the thing that the AG uses to separate themselves yeah. from other Pentecostal yeah. movements. It's yeah. this idea, that was the big one for them. That yeah. There's no baptism in the Holy Spirit without Unless, you spoke in tongues the yeah. first, you know, at that time. It makes me wonder if I, if I just made up tongues the whole time. I mean, like it came naturally to me, it was but it was definitely a choice. Like I was you're believing that the oh, Holy yeah. Spirit is doing something. It doesn't mean it's not real. But go on. So, so that to me, so that really forced me to look at what I was doing and read and study and like if I I don't want to say that I believe this if I don't believe it and I didn't believe it. Yeah. I just thought that's you know that's not that doesn't feel right in the character of God. Hmm. That the you know the God that we've talked about the God that I've worshipped the God that I've had this re- relationship with this entity that um, is so loving and so ununderstandable is the best <laughs> word I can get you know that that we could bottle all that down to say this is exactly what he does and how he does it at this time and this purpose I I think that's horseshit. I thought that was horseshit. It's definitely horseshit now. <laughs> it definitely so, is horseshit. So I struggled with that. And then, through this time, I'm also... This is the part of the story that I told in that other episode. Um, I'm also seeing Jessica and, you know, developing a relationship with, with her. And you met her at the church? Uh, yeah. She was. She visited one day with her family, her, her brother... And his wife were members of the church, and she came. Do you remember, like, the yeah. very, very, very oh, yeah. first time? Yep, yeah. yep. You notice when anyone knew, like, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Pretty girl comes in, you sure. notice. Sure, sure. Um, I was leading worship and, do you know, and, like, but you know, there's new people there with James and his wife. Okay. And it, after service, you know, you always make it a point. I, 
at the time I did not think like I'm meeting my wife right now. I right. didn't that didn't cross my mind. Right. Um, I actually thought she was young. I thought she was like potentially a youth kid. Hmm. Um, so I invited her to youth group when I met her. <laughs> I invited her to come to youth group and uh, um, so I'm ha- but I you know we hit it off and we started talking and we have this relationship. Well, it was weird, man. Like the people in the church were. It felt like trying to protect me from this outside person who wasn't... And, you know, there was some of that mm. going on. There was some, like, weirdness about, mm. like, who is this girl? You know, is she going to... What's she going to do? Like, is Ashlyn going to... You know, it was like I was the church's baby in some weird way. And they were trying to protect me from... Because, of you know, women's just women's just going to ruin you. Yeah. So, so, you know, we started really officially, like... In, being in a relationship in a serious way and um she had been married previously um so if you've been divorced in the ag well here's the thing you know if you're just a guy leading worship sure you can marry whoever you want if you're just a, you know if you're a deacon on the board of deacons yeah do what you want man Mm -hmm. um but you're not going to pass you know the 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 bar if you're trying to become a credentialed minister in the assemblies of god and you marry someone who has been divorced it's wild to me that's what i thought i thought that's she that's could just insane she could have murdered someone and gotten off on parole yeah and so, you could marry her and still be okay so that's the thing is like if you go all the way back what if we both lived these crazy lives before we were christians got divorced, did whatever, out of prison. Are you telling me that, like, then we became Christian, we got saved one day, you know, and our li- turned our lives around and they're not going to credential it? Like, I don't know what the answer is to that, but what I do know is that I was given an ultimatum. Isn't the whole idea of the Christian faith redemption, like, yeah. you, so, you so no th- longer are held for the sins of your past? That's the thing. And really, in this case, it wasn't even a sin of her past. You know, she had a husband who was abusive and yeah. awful, and it was a horrible situation that she thankfully got herself out of. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was put to me as, you know, you're going to have to make a choice here. And that's when that coupled with, like, the dogmatic um, clinging to believing that God has to operate a certain way around this or that. I started, what really started to break down was, okay, I don't believe that this all comes from the real word of God. And what I mean by that is like, we've had, you know, we're, we're picking and pulling stuff out of the Bible and we're leveraging scholars and quotations, right? To tell us what this means and what the Greek word meant and the Hebrew word meant and the context of this meant. And we're deriving meaning out of all this that has serious impact on people's lives and i don't know from what i've seen in my time through that process men did everything they could to leverage this to control people yeah. right it was oh, controlling yeah. me it was what i think and what <laughs> i believe and what I, who i vote for it was who i you know am in a relationship with or not it was and and so that that became the reality to me um so so to add it all up i was extremely burnt out because i was doing a lot of services i was also at that time had started working 
uh, part-time, full-time by then, I think, at Sears. Um, I was doing, you know, a bunch of services every week. Um, was this 2009 now? No. So 2009 is when I started. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, oh, yeah. So now we're into 2012. Yeah. So it's when a few I years left, later. it was yep. 2012. Yep. Um, you know, so I have this serious conflict of, you know, what I've always believed about who God is versus what this organization, and really, if you look at it, any organization tells you who God is. And it just became clear that this is about control. Well, this it's, isn't about anything else. It's control at the, at the most foundational root level, because if you go to any service, they use terminology like, we believe... And then they continue. Yeah. And and if you listen closer, they say we as Christians believe that, mm-hmm. um, like for example, what were you just talking about? Um, yeah, well, we for Christians, we believe as Christians that when the Holy Spirit comes into you, that you will speak in tongues. We believe that as Christians. And if you identify as a Christian, they are literally manipulating the way you think about yourself mm-hmm. to where you have to, you are forced to change the way you think. Otherwise you're no longer a Christian because mm-hmm. Christians think this way. Christians believe this, but if I don't believe it, then I'm not a Christian. I have to yeah. change. It's control. But Christians would believe something else entirely. If we had said, you know, this is what it actually says, or this is what, what these words actually Oh, mean. yeah. This is, you know, we took we took a couple stories of things that happened, and we said, this is what always happens. Yeah, you oh, know? yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's so much more than that, but the, the whole terminology, the, the entire idea of the church is control. Mm-hmm. The entire idea is control. Yeah. It's what it always has been. I mean, and that, and when Constantine yeah. put the Bible together in 300, it was to control the women using the church in the political sense. It was political. It was mm-hmm. entirely political. Yeah. And it's just grown since then. So that was where my head was at. I had, you know, these conflicts around belief swirling around that, you know, I think that... I, so, so what all that amounted to was, well, if we're, you know, we're trusting, I believe, falsely in people to determine what these words mean... We have to kind of go back and look at well, who wrote the words in the first place, and who determined which words were canon and which ones weren't. Oh yeah, well. and then, <laughs> so that's when you know I'm basically I'm there as a you know as a working pastor in the. It's church. funny how you were working through that. Yeah, and I was at exactly the same time because 2012 was when I started my deconstruction because I went to college, mm-hmm. and college gave me knowledge. And that knowledge made me feel powerful. Yeah. And I was like, I want to know everything there is to know about my religion. Them damn liberals will do to you. <laughs> them damn liberal schools and get you all wound up. And- I know, right? I mean, it's funny because I, I felt like if I knew a lot about something, I can talk passionately about it. Like, you want to talk about SpaceX right now or space in general? Like, I could talk intelligently about it because of the amount of knowledge I have on it. So yeah. I wanted to talk about my religion like that. Mm. So I did a whole bunch of research on Christianity. That was a bad idea because yeah. my religion fell yeah. apart when I learned about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, up, ripped at the seams mm-hmm. when I was like, oh my God, this is what my religion was based on? Like, it, <laughs> the Dark Ages? 
Oh my God, dude. <sighs> like Christianity is pure evil yeah, man. At, at the There's core. There's been a lot of horrific things done in the name of God. Oh God. So that was, you know, probably that's when, when all that was going on, um, the thing is, man, I knew I knew that Jess was right. I knew that Jess was good. Look at us now. It's been almost ten years. We're happy. <laughs> like we're, we don't. You guys we, have been married for ten years. Almost. I think is it nine two thousand. We got married in two thousand twelve, November two thousand twelve. God. Dude. So twenty two, two thousand twenty two would be ten yeah. years. Yeah, and the thing is, like we're like we're we're where we're at with like each other. Because we're not, because we talk, because we deal with things, because we work on things, because we, we don't sit on things. And I feel like the example that I saw in that world was not really like that. Um, so we dealt with it. But it, anyway, I knew that it was, she was good. I knew that there's no way that you can tell me that God does not want this because of some, you know legality mm. in what you know that just is nonsense to me um and so with all of that happening i just popped mm. my head just po- i was just i i knew i'm done i have to be done and this was end of 2012 this was um probably some yeah early summer 2012 something Gosh. like that spring of 2012 i think um and i left i was done um, you know, they, it was really weird. Like, uh, you know, I didn't really tell anyone because I don't think I had fully understood all of it yet. I just knew that I, I'm in a situation that is not okay anymore. Hmm. I don't, I'm not okay. And so hmm. I had to go. That's where I knew I was. It's in retrospect that I can put all the pieces together and, and fully understand it, I think. Hmm. Um, but uh, I left, and it was you know I gave them some notice, um, and they had a goodbye service for me and let me speak and do you know and it was all nice and all fine. Did you did you do the sermon? Yeah. Yep. What did you speak on? I don't remember. There's really? A, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, I have some recordings of like you know Steve always recorded me on Sunday mornings, so I have CDs or you know really? somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I had some bangers. <laughs> You had a couple that slapped. Yep. I got. I have like. I still have like two sermons yep. that stick out to me that just slapped. But what slaps isn't what I said. It's you know. It's like the delivery. Like oh. you said. Like oh yeah. You know. There's just. It was a lot of fun. Dude, delivery is everything. <clears throat> um. So yeah. So that's the story. And then and then, um, Jessica and I, almost immediately got married. Like months later, we were married. Yeah. Um, wow. We eloped, and you and you were there. You and Juge and uh, Alicia were there when we got married. Yeah. Um, and and then uh, yeah, then I did other stuff. But uh, the darkest time in my life was living in that house by myself before I met Jessica. What do you do with your time there? I played video game. I don't know. I did. I, well, I spent a lot of time at the church at night, like because I never slept. I couldn't sleep. Really, I was so wound up and so anxious all the time. I just didn't sleep. So I did a lot of like, um, 
I would go record stuff like music in the sanctuary. I did that really? all the time. Yeah, I would just for or I'd just go play the piano in the sanctuary. Um, then I got one in my house eventually, hmm. but I would um, set up. You miss playing the piano? I do a lot. I have a tiny little um, controller that I'll hook up sometimes to my iPad and play, but it's awful. It's not good. Um, if you're ever wondering what to get me for Christmas. I came across a Clavinova like a week ago. That's that was pretty a cool. hundred bucks, dude. I didn't get it because I didn't need to. So I recorded stuff. Um, I wrote worship songs. We did a lot of original songs, like five or six different original songs through the years that we did. Um, but I would, I would uh, run Audacity from the sound booth um, and I, so I would like run, run everything through the, uh, through the board and then run it to audacity mm-hmm. and I would hit record, <laughs> run, up run up to the stage real fast. Yep. yep. And then I would count down. I would count off so that I knew when the part would start. Like, I'd which is funny. You, you didn't have to run. <laughs> <laughs> you could just <laughs> scroll further <laughs> in the <laughs> I felt like I did. So I would oh run. My God. <laughs> And I would do like a scratch track, right? Just yeah, vocals sure. and uh, and guitar. And then, all right, there's the scratch track. So then I would run back to the sound booth, you know, hit record. And I had an electronic drum set, and I would lay down drum, you know, a drum track. So I would just record different stuff, and and uh, I spent a lot of time doing that. Other than that, I you know played video games and. See, uh, it's funny in my mind. Watch TV. Watch I take movies. I take myself back to that place mm-hmm. and I put that hat back on like the the, the, the pastor the church you know mm-hmm. I put that hat back on and I think of that and I'm like oh my god that sounds like so much fun like it was, it was, yeah like free reign I did I had but, that building you know that building was yourself mine. it was yours yeah. yeah but like to think I I understand what you when you mean when you say the darkest time it was, was so, during that. Yeah, it was so awful. I get that. It was not, and because the, the people around me, I never felt like I could really be myself with. And I think that was the thing, that lack of authenticity. You know, I had a youth kid. I won't name him. He was a youth leader at one point, and he he's in ministry now. He called me once as his pastor as the guy in charge right and he's the leader in my youth group to tell me that my facebook page wasn't christiany enough what to tell me that it looks you know man it just looks like you're just a regular guy <laughs> yeah i am yeah <laughs> it's like you got like you like stepbrothers yeah <laughs> i do <laughs> you're telling me you've never seen that shit it's fucking hilarious <laughs> like <laughs> What's the problem here? But, like, that was the reality that I was in, that, like, there's this expectation of me that is not authentic. It is not the real me. Are we cut off yet? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, and that was the worst, mm. that I couldn't just be myself. Mm. I couldn't. And now I live a life that's 100% myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's, no, there's nothing to hide anymore. There's nothing. Did you ever you know, question your life back then? Like in that season, did you? Have, I mean, because like, so I I haven't talked much about this, because um, beginning of this year, January, February, um, was really dark for me. I don't know if it was the darkest season in my life, but it was a, it was a shade of dark that I haven't experienced before. Like, there's been a lot of darkness, but this was a shade I hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and 
Like, I've never been a person um, that has, thankfully, I've never been a person that struggled with suicide or thoughts of suicide. I've never. I mean, um, I wouldn't ever wish that upon anyone. Um, I'm thankful that I haven't struggled with that in my life. Um, but there was a window earlier this year where it wasn't like I wanted to kill myself. I, I just didn't want to exist anymore. I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't fun. Like, and it's not, I understand, like, it's not all about having fun, but, like, there's a point of suffering where it becomes so unbearable where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I don't just, I just don't want to do this anymore. Like, I just don't want to exist. Can I just not exist? And, like, people would interpret that as, like, oh, you want to kill yourself? I'm like, no, I don't want to kill myself. I just don't want to do this anymore. Um, and, like, was there ever moments like that? during that season that you can think of like well i mean i guess that or like just like where you were like i want to kill myself like were you were you suicidal at all no i wasn't suicidal i don't know that i ever have been at all yeah. in any way um i empathize with people who are i yeah. think that you know that i but thankfully i've never i had that cross my mind i have thought i'm a horrible piece of shit many times mm. many times um I would say I was in that place, you know, and that's why I sort of snapped and made a change and because I this cannot continue. Mm-hmm. The way life is today I, is so unbearable for me that I can no longer participate in it. So I I'm going to do something else now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to leave. I'm going to mm-hmm. walk away. Um Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you before you really feel like you found yourself after you got out of that? Because, like, for me, it was a mixture. Like, I got out of the church in, like, 2013. 2012 was when it all started for me. And um, anyone who's listened to the Uncensored Christian part, whatever, where I tell my story understands what led to that. But it took a while to find myself after that because, like... It was such a deep identity for me. I don't think... It probably wasn't an identity for you like it was for me for so long. Yeah, no, I didn't grow up in it. Um, it was it sure. was my identity. Yeah. And it took a while because then after that, then my marriage fell apart. Um, you know, I'd, I've spoken this before. I really thank uh, my ex-wife, Juge. I thank her. Um, I call her my jailbreaker. I mean, she's many, many things. But one of the titles that she holds in my life still... And this is just to me, and I don't even think I've ever been able to tell her this. So if she ever listens to this, she'll know. Um, But I call her my jailbreaker because um, I feel like I was living a life... um, The best way I can describe it is like, um, you weren't free unless every part of you is free. Um, Like if you're in a jail but there's a window with bars and it's open to the elements and you can stick your hand outside, your hand is free. But you aren't. And so I was living a life like that. Like, most of me was free, but a part of me wasn't. And I was like, I'm free, I'm free. And it wasn't until Juge broke me out of that that jail cell. And the cell was protection. I was protecting myself against harm, against hurt. Um, And Juge got the closest. She was the closest person. I let her in closer than anyone else, but still not all the way and when she left that started a 
trek down uh, down a journey of unlearning so much and it was it wasn't until about six months later that I realized that and I wrote that saying and stuck it on my wall that says um, none of me is free until all of me is free hmm. and that's what stuck with me and that's what I try to live I like if any part of me is stuck then all of me is stuck because I'm I am not me without all of me hmm. and that's that's like when you say like authentic like you want to be authentic in your life like I think of um, I think of the word like integrity uh, it's an old baker's word um, bakers a long time ago used to check bread out of the oven for integrity and they, they would see if the bread was the same on the end as it was in the middle as it was two two thirds of the way through and if the bread was the same all the way through then the bread had integrity and I think of me like am I the same all the way through like mm-hmm. is every part of me me like authentic is this really me and so like when you say like you weren't yourself like what that tells me is like part of you was not you part of you was like in a sense in that jail cell or you know like in that protection mode because you couldn't be you weren't allowed to be you and now i see you now dude in this i see you in this house like i love your life for you like i love who you are man um like i'm a better podcaster with you like i'm deeply thankful for the person you've become and when you talk about authentic you are one of the most authentic people i've ever met in my life at this point (laughs) and i've seen the struggle but dude i love the journey you've come on and I, I, I love doing this with you because, man, I don't know how long it took you to get here, but it's not like you've arrived in any sense. You know, we never really arrived. But, dude, you are you are one of the most authentic people I've ever met. So, Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I know you weren't yeah. looking for a compliment no. after all of that. Um. <laughs> And there's not a real concise answer to that question about how long it took. Um, took me a while. Yeah. I started to realize I was happy when we quit trying to find a church to go to. How long? How many churches do you guys try out? Um, I don't know. We, you know. we lived in Battle Creek at first, and so I think we probably visited a couple churches in Battle Creek. Eventually we moved to Portage. Um, we visited K first. I really like them. They're cool. I like Pastor Dave, but you know it was very clear that like we're not we're not like this. This isn't us. And um, Jess agreed. It was for her too. Yeah, that t- you know that was um, yeah. I think we're on the same page with everything as far as that goes. Um, um, so I think the, you know, most concisely I can answer it is, you know, there came a time, I think when we lived in Jackson, when we kind of came to terms with the fact that like, you know, we're probably not gonna be a part of a church the way we used to be. Hmm. And that's when I started to realize and put everything together. And that was years later. That was like, 
probably five or six years after, maybe seven years after um, mm. all that kind of happened. And um, that's when, honestly, it was about the same time living in Jackson that you posted a question on Facebook about what people think of the Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was... Wait. Was that in 2012 or was that like no, 2000? No, that was much later. That so that was, was like 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. To late 2017. So I, I was starting my podcast. Yeah, and I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't um, tell anybody. Yeah, you didn't tell me. I wanted to get people's authentic answers. Yeah, and my answer was the letter F. Because I didn't know... <laughs> listen, I remember that! I didn't know you could save a post at that, like a... <laughs> Like a boomer trying to use Facebook. I didn't know you could just like save it and go back and look. I had F because that's what you do. I wanted to follow the Yeah, that's what F comments. means. Well, in the Reddit world, that's what it means. Yeah. But I had I wasn't in the Reddit world yet and no. I didn't I didn't know that. I wasn't honestly either. I just thought, Oh, I'll write F because I wanna follow I wanna Yeah, so I'll give you notifications when yeah. people post. And then right. you were like, Well what the fuck does that mean? You know? And so then I was like, well, I want to follow, and you, and it turned into like, well, I guess you know what, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you. And I said yeah. something along the lines of, I think the Bible is a cool thing with you know good stories that help us, you know, see life in cool ways. But I'm just not sure anymore that it is the the inspired, infallible Word of God. And uh, that started a shitstorm. Oh my with god! Like people that which is know, funny because I just didn't say a thing. Yeah. I just yeah, you didn't it give roll. an opinion, but I was just nope. like, you know what? This is it. This is the moment when I kind of come out in some way. And yeah. I did. You, you, you know, I said, you, I don't know if I believe this. And you then came I out of the biblical closet. There were people at that point. all over the country praying oh. for me. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, I, yeah. Because I did that. There was, you know, this redemption has to happen now. Yeah. This coming back. like. So that's, that's probably when I was... Um, that's when that happened. That's when I was finally myself and finally okay. Was when I probably wrote that comment on your Facebook post and said, huh. "said uh, so I'm not five, sure. I'm not sure five, that I believe five that." Years. Yeah. And it's now it took I for me. Think we're all in a simulation. And um, so I'm. <laughs> I guess I guess we're gonna tell the whole community about this. Um, so since our simulation episode, which. Was not very popular with the masses. <laughs> was it? I, did we get bad feedback on it? No, I I, I look at um, the stats. Oh, like the download. People the were like not were... interested. That's the best shit we've ever. That done. was the best That's episode. The, if you're listening to this, oh if you've made it through God. this long in the episode, go back and listen to this. It, I, maybe it was, it was well, so maybe good. I need to rename it because it was called "Are We Living in the Matrix?" Which yeah. is, but that's a good title. Yeah, that, because if I title it "Simulation Theory," like who's yep. gonna download a simulation theory podcast besides the nerds? Yeah, um, but dude, that was such a great episode. Yeah. Um, Not popular though, huh? No, I think, I think uh, on an average episode gets about eighteen hundred downloads, and that one got like four hundred. <laughs> very low, very 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 low. Um, hmm. I would have thought that's the one that makes us that makes us famous. Dude, our most popular is uh, LGBTQ with uh, Rob, Robbie. Robbie <laughs> doesn't like being called. It doesn't Robbie. like being called Robbie. I don't know why I've ever started calling him Robbie. Uh, Robert. Robert. Yes. Um, Bob. Um, yes. That that is our absolutely number one most popular. Number two is the one uh, with Julie Soderman, where she told her story. Really? Yes. Yeah. I got more messages. About that episode, like when that dropped, yeah. I got like I'm not kidding. Within 24 hours, like 50 
messages all about that that one where people were talking about the same um and then yeah just uh after that i was actually just looking at the stats today about that um uh yeah that was, <laughs> the made go back listen to the matrix that was great oh so what i was saying was since that episode hmm. um, my life has become consumed and i've started writing a book okay i am 25 chapters in okay <laughs> and at this point i'm not even sure if it's going to be a book or if i'm going to turn it into a documentary um about uh well i mean simulation theory is going to be the general idea but um i don't even know what to call it it's going to be something about reality and um it's dense man it's really dense uh it uh yeah it's 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 pretty dense um the goal here is to finish that uh i'm right it's it's writing itself it's there's so much content so much content um but i i'd like to go on like a ted a tedx and uh talk about it and then i'd like to get a documentary and put it on netflix that's i think that's gonna be my goal I'd like to get my kid to stop licking the refrigerator. <laughs> I think my goal will happen before different, yours will. <laughs> I think my goal will literally happen before yours will. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we'll talk a little bit. Future best-selling author. Well, I don't think it's me an author. I think I'm going to make a book about it. I think well, you I'm... said your life's been consumed since that episode. Oh, God. I thought you were going to talk about something else entirely. What? But... Oh, this is what I want to talk about. Um, uh, we're going to change the logo. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep it blue, keep it cartoon. I'm just going to put your face <laughs> next to mine, married okay. up. Sure. And and uh, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus. Finally. Jesus. Finally. Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to touch you, and you're going to fall. Watch. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes. Slaying the spirit. Yeah. Um, Julie Sodeman, uh, chatting with her today. For, uh, she was driving, so we talked for like an hour and a half. Um, she wants to come back on. Okay. Um, so I, I think I'm going to have her on as a regular, too. Mm-hmm. But I know you are talking about doing spinoffs by yourself. Nah, probably not. Do it. I don't have time, man. I hardly yeah. have time to do this. <laughs> Dude, I'll be, I'll be honest If with you do, though, yeah. it's uh, like I'll create a logo with just your face. Okay. Yeah, because, I, I mean, like, th- I'm, I'm sure me and Julie are going to start to do spinoffs. Okay. And um, I I think she's coming into town in a few weeks. We might come up here. And actually, I have a I have a, a special guest that's coming up. And we're gonna do one too. Uh, somebody you haven't seen in a long time. So we're gonna do a. Who is it? You, you wanna know? Yeah. You don't wanna surprise? No, I don't like surprises. Joel. Oh man. We're gonna do a. There's gonna be. Uh, oh yeah, it's, it's gonna, be, gonna be hard to get through, but yeah. Yeah. Great. We'll do it out in the deck. I'd so, love to see. Because it's gonna get loud for sure. You go in the pole barn. <laughs> pole barn. Yeah. Pole barn edition. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. All right, buddy.